It's now time for On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson. The conversation will range from local dialogue to international. This show is meant to enlighten, inform, and to inspire. On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson begins now. Hello and welcome to On the Line. I'm your host, Cheryl Wilkerson. Thankful that you are joining me on a Sunday morning. I realize there are other things you could be doing, so thank you in advance. An exciting and important topic we're going to talk about today and I've got the guns to back me up today. This is something that everybody in the community can get involved with. It's called the Right to Read Documentary Screening. It's going to take place right here on the campus of Norfolk State University. Mark down June the 1st. Mark down June the 1st at Brown Hall. You know, we're 700 Park Avenue in Norfolk, Virginia. And the Right to Read film is followed by community conversation that's going to take place. That's where you come in with the ideas, your thoughts, your suggestions, just to make this world just a little bit brighter. So I have on the phone with me today two people very instrumental in this telling the story and getting us involved and helping us to understand what needs to be done and how everyone can play a part. We welcome to On the Line today Dr. Jenny McKenzie as well as Teresa Hunter, both, like I said, involved with the project. Uh, Dr. McKenzie is uh, the director of the Right to Read organization. Teresa Hunter is a very involved parent. We love that. Welcome to On the Line. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Nice to be with you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. So set this up. Can we go back and you all teach us how this all came to be, how this all came about the right to read documentary documentary screening well the documentary itself how did that come to be and i'll let either of you go we we started working on the film cheryl about four and a half years ago and i've been making social and racial justice documentaries for over 20 years and i had a film that was at the sundance film festival and i was approached by a funder and finding funding for these kind of films is very very difficult Mm -hmm. and this gentleman said to me are you interested in making a film about the early reading crisis and it just rang true for me our oldest daughter is a first grade teacher and also reading is very personal for me because i was a struggling reader actually as a child Mm -hmm. and so many kids in our country are struggling readers But it was just, it was really fascinating to me because reading and literacy is at the heart of our democracy. And really, if we can't read, if we can't understand what is on our ballot, how to fill out a job application, how to read road signs, how to really, you know, fill out your your high school essays and those kinds of things, we have nothing. So reading is fundamental to being able to participate in our society. So that's that's really how it started. And I can have the amazing Teresa Hunter tell you how we find found their family and their story. Okay, Miss Teresa. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for having us both on the line today. Um, I actually live in Virginia Beach, and I teach a parenting class called Lena Start. And before I was teaching the parenting class, we were actually one of the very first families to participate in the Lena Start class in the in the state of Virginia. 
so after that, I loved it so much. It was a 13-week class. I loved it so much that I wanted to teach it. And so since my daughter was five months, I've been teaching this class um, at the libraries. I've been teaching them at the rec centers. Um, and I've been also teaching them on Zoom when COVID was here. And uh, um, got a phone call from Jenny asking if we can be in a documentary film. And we said yes. And here we are, what, three years later, Jenny, or four years later? Four, four and a half. <laughs> I met Ivy, Teresa, when she was 16 months old. So how old is she now? Ivy is five years old now in kindergarten. Five yeah, and a half. And so she we, just graduated from kindergarten. Yeah, so we met four years ago. And, and really, we connected with the Hunter family, Cheryl, because Early on in the filmmaking process, we were looking at how early language and early literacy programs could set kids up for success in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. But I think what we quickly realized when we met one of our lead protagonists in the film was that even if parents were doing exactly what the hunters were doing and setting their kids up for success with these fantastic language and pre-literacy skills, if those kids got to kindergarten and they were using an old school method of reading instruction, which is called whole language or balanced literacy, then those kids were still at big risk for reading challenges. So that's when we kind of did a pivot with the story um, when we met Mr. Kareem Weaver and we realized that this very much is a civil rights story because early literacy challenges impact all children, mm -hmm. but they disproportionately impact kids who have reading disabilities, who are from financially challenged situations, and children who also are black and brown. Okay, so what you're teaching me, or what I just translated in my brain was, I know that parents have challenges and they joke about it, especially during this pandemic, about teaching or helping their children with math because math has changed so much. Reading has also changed? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, you said it so perfectly, Cheryl, because how can a child truly solve a complex math problem and we get beyond addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division without reading skills, right? Mm -hmm. More complex math issues require reading skills. But um, we have actually been using a fairly old school method, and we've had all of this research for years that has shown us that kids need to learn in a very explicit and systematic way. The brain naturally learns to speak. We are a species that has evolved, and we language comes to us very naturally. Okay. But reading is an incredibly complex task for the brain, and the best way to teach reading is in a way that is very basic, very fundamental, and we have decades and decades of research, thousands and thousands of studies from brain science scientists that have shown us how to read. So when you and Cheryl, I just got uh, one thing to say because uh -huh. um, what you just said about math is so true. I mean, we're right now teaching Ivy. We homeschool parents, and we're teaching her how to read as we speak right right now, this day and age. And it's a it's a great thing that the documentary came out. But you said something that was very important. Most parents are concerned about them their children learning math, right? Just doing math. But if you think about it, word problems are 
detailed in math. And some kids run away from that because they can't read or because the word problem is scaring them. And I know, you know, when I'm reading to Ivy and I'm I'm helping her with a word problem, I make sure that she knows the words mm. that are being stated in that problem in order for to help her know that you're not going to be scared of math. You're going to be an avid reader, so that way when a math problem does come up, you're not scared to take on the challenge of this math problem. I think I am exactly, stunned. Exactly, Teresa. I think I am already stunned. <laughs> okay, so the Right to Read shares the stories of an activist, a teacher, two uh, American families, and they're fighting to provide their youngest generation with the most foundational indicator of lifelong success, the ability to read. How many children in the U.S. cannot read? It is. It's staggering. And it's really something that I always talk about that should really be sort of a three-alarm fire for us. But two-thirds of kids in this country are at a basic level, and a third of children are reading below basic. So what that really means is that really means that those children are functionally illiterate. They are not reading. But why? I don't understand. kind of low level. I don't understand why, Dr. Jenny, why? It's such a good question, but the biggest piece is that as a country, we have not implemented the right reading instruction in public schools. And I think we've kind of settled for these low levels, and we haven't really put up enough of a fight. But the real reason is we are not teaching them in the way in which they need to be taught. So I know know, it's a. I I was just going to say, I know there's some parents listening right now, and I pray they are not driving somewhere. Because if I were listening as a parent, I would run off the road right now because we, as parents, we don't know that the correct reading skills are not being taught to our children. We think our children are going to school and being taught to read. That's exactly right. And I think Teresa can share her personal experience because when they actually saw the documentary, they knew a lot about their own story and really early language development, which Teresa has become a true expert in. But I think, Teresa, why don't you share how opened your eyes were and Isaiah's eyes really around early reading instruction and what you did or didn't know as a family? Yes, I definitely can relate, Cheryl, of not knowing what to do when it comes down to early literacy and reading with our children. Even though I teach this parenting class, it didn't. I'm not really showing parents how to read with their children. I'm telling them to read to their children, which is going to help tremendously when they do that. And so with us being homeschool parents, we had to take a, a, a deeper look into what she was actually reading and learning when it comes to literacy. And so she was getting all these words being brought home, and we, we're involved in homework. And that's another thing parents need to understand, that when their children bring homework home, get involved with them. Do the homework with them so you can understand what they're doing. And if it's not aligned with your values and your and what you want them to do with early literacy and you want how you want them to be able to read and understand information, then you need to be involved with them during that during this 
this process because it is a critical process for our children to learn. So what we did was we stopped just giving her words that the teacher was sending home and you know, just going over these words repeatedly when she doesn't even know the different sounds that she needs to know to the words, the letter clustering, the echoing. Um, we looked up the Dolch list just to see what words she needs to have for phonemic awareness and for phonics, you know. And so we took a deeper dive and had to stop doing what the teacher was doing in order to teach her how to read proficiently. Okay, let's back up because I just heard this the other day or saw it, somebody said, why do children have to have homework? Now, who wants to tackle that? Who wants to answer that question for me? Why do, (laughs) if they are going to school all day long, why do they have to come home and do homework? You want me to jump in, Teresa? (laughs) Well, I can just say this. They need individual attention, right? So you want to know what your children are doing because if they don't bring homework home and you're dependent on that teacher to teach your child, then that's all you're going to get. So when your child comes home and your child can't do the basic things like the basic letter sounds or just, you know, talking about the younger babies, the different letter sounds, they can't, you know, read different words and you're asking them, how can, can you read this? Can you read that? Or you're asking them about math or things like that. If you're not engaging with them, then they're not going to do it because most, most parents believe they're, they're busy, mm-hmm. right? They have busy lives. Mm-hmm. So if you don't take that time, then you're going to lose that time with your children. Okay. And then you can't blame it on the school system for not, doing their part when you have to do your part at home as well. So I think homework is a good thing because it also, it refreshes your memory Mm -hmm. of what they're doing. It reteaches them, right? And kids learn better from us anyway. They learn better from their parents anyway. So, you know, for a parent to just do it with them and be involved in what they're doing, I I think it's a great thing to just have homework. Now, too much homework, I can understand. (laughs) Uh But this just enough to refresh their memory as to what they've been learning in school is great. Okay. Keeping them engaged. What what homework truly is, homework is the connection between home and school, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the critical piece that I see. I think we get, you know, a little overboard with giant amounts and volumes of homework. But I think the real piece is Teaching a child is a collaboration. It's a collaboration that happens between school and at home. And parents are really the lifetime companions of the child. Mm -hmm. And a teacher is in that classroom for five, six hours a day, understanding academic learning and what is being taught. So the homework piece is essential in that it connects the home life and the home learning with the in-class learning. Okay, if you just joined us, I am speaking. That's amazing. I am speaking to uh, Dr. Jenny McKenzie and Teresa Hunter. Teresa is a parent. Dr. Jenny is uh, the director of the Right to Read organization. The Right to Read documentary will be screened on the campus right here at Norfolk State University, June the 1st, 6 p.m., Brown Hall. The entire community needs to come out and understand about the right to read. We're taking it for granted, many of us, but we need to understand what has gone on. So reading was not at the level it needed to be in these United States before the pandemic. What happened after the pandemic or during the pandemic and after the pandemic? 
mean, I think what the pandemic has really done, Cheryl, is it's shown a light on the issue, right? Reading has been a giant challenge in our country for the last several decades. And with a third of our kids reading below basic levels, which basically means not reading, which is catastrophic, and then you have a pandemic with children who are taken out of the classroom and learning at home with their families. I think what happened is a lot of parents had this aha moment and they saw actually what their children were not learning in school. And so I think really COVID-19 and learning from home really woke us up and allowed us to see the reality of the problem. Okay. Okay. Are we, are we ready to work on that problem? <laughs> I think we are. I think, you know, what we've seen with the film, the film premiered at the Santa Barbara International Film Festival in February, and we have been out and about in communities for the last four months doing screenings like this amazing screening we're having on the campus of Norfolk State on June 1st. And we had an incredible activation during National Reading Awareness Month where over 39,000 people viewed the film. But I feel very grateful that the film is a part of a national movement. And I think it's a movement where families, teachers, principals, superintendents across the country are waking up and saying, what have we been doing and what can we do about this problem? Let's create change. And to create change, we have to make that change happen first in mm -hmm. our own little corner of the universe. Mm -hmm. Is there some diabolical, evil reason why our children are not being taught to read? Is there some? <laughs> is there don't some get me, underground? Don't get me going, Cheryl. I would even say pernicious. <laughs> oh, but don't get me going. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think, sadly, we have prioritized profit and politics mm -hmm. over children's outcomes. Mm -hmm. And that is the real challenge. So to me, I think that is fairly diabolical to prioritize profit over our children's future, over their outcomes, over their ability to participate in our democracy, to be engaged humans in their communities, in their worlds, in their schools. We know that low literacy levels are a pipeline to a host of problems. These are the kids who drop out of high school. These are the kids who have higher teen pregnancy rates. These are the kids who have higher mental health rates. So if we are not prioritizing reading, then shame on us. There may be a parent or two that's listening to you, ladies. There might be a father, a mother, and they're listening to you, and they agree with what you're saying. But the fact of the matter is they're not so great at reading. They have a hard time. They struggle. Mm -hmm. They don't want that child to know that, but they're struggling with reading. And perhaps they might be a little bit embarrassed, humiliated, to try and help their mm -hmm. child to be the parent that they need to be when it comes to helping their child be a great reader. 
What do you say to them? Teresa, you want me to jump in or do you? I, I bet you have lots of wonderful things to say about this. Yes. So I would say just practice, practice. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to let your children know that you're practicing, mm-hmm. you know, to learn how to read. I'm, I'm going to tell you and I'm going to be honest. I'm learning with my child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm learning about the clustering letters and the echo and sounds and, and things like that. My husband knows all of that, okay. right? Mm-hmm. He grew up with being taught how to read, the, the different ways to read, how to um, put words together and all that. I did not. Mm-hmm. So well, while I'm doing this with my child, I'm learning as well. And she doesn't even know that half of the stuff that we're doing, I didn't even know. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's fair. So I would say just practice. Do it in your car. Do, do it, you know, on your own time. You know, have a little sheet by your bed. Just learning how to pronounce words and how to um, enunciate words, you know, just just learning on your own and not even letting your child know that you're doing these things. It can help tremendously. It can help tremendously. Beautiful, Teresa. I think that's beautiful. And to me, Cheryl, I think there is zero shame. I want there to be zero shame. It's understandable that it's embarrassing. It's understandable if you've not been a strong reader and you've been in the closet a bit. But I think this is an opportunity, as Teresa said, where parents can learn with their children. And there are things that you can still do to really train older brains to be stronger readers. My dyslexia wasn't diagnosed until I was 14 years old. And I was able to fly under the radar, be one of those kids who hoped and prayed they weren't called on in class. And I think this is an opportunity to say, What we all want for our children as parents is we all want our children to do better than we have done. And so it's a chance for us to say, you know, I'm I'm so sad and I'm so sorry that I'm not a strong reader, but I am out here and I'm being courageous and I'm coming out about my own issue and I'm learning to do better right now with you, right beside you. We're about out of time. I can't believe how fast 30 minutes goes, but let me ask you this. Is it... (laughs) Okay, or is it a good thing? Which is better, a reading from a computer or reading from a book you would put in your child's hand? Does Is there a difference? I don't think it should ever be an either or. Technology okay. is here, mm-hmm. and it's here to stay, and technology is not going away. So we are going to have tablets. You know, we're going to have um, phones that are a part of our life from this day forward because it is a part of our future. Mm-hmm. So I think as long as kids are reading, our mm-hmm. amazing protagonist says, I don't care what that child's gateway drug is to reading, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether they are reading on their phone, whether they're reading a book, um, you know, whether it's a cloth book, whether it's a hardcover book, whether it's a softcover book, if they are reading and they're reading something that engages them, that is all good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And technology, it's just, it's a tool. So it's figuring Mm -hmm. out how to use that tool effectively. Yes. And I will also mm -hmm. just add to that, that um, read with your child. So whether you're reading a book Mm -hmm. or whether you're online or whether you have your phone in front of them, read with them so they can understand what they're reading. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're engaged with them while they're reading, I think both of them works. Ladies, this has been an eye-opener for me. Before we get out of here, tell me this. How is LeVar Burden connected to the project? (laughs) 
<laughs> we feel very, very lucky to have the amazing LeVar Burton connected to this project because they're really, I can't think of any more wonderful, iconic, trusted household name who cares deeply about racial justice from his role as Kunta Kinte in Roots to his beloved role as the host of Reading Rainbow for 28 years. But yeah. Cheryl, we got really, really lucky, and we just asked. We found a connection mm -hmm. to Mr. Burton's team, and I emailed him, and I was very uh, persistent about it. It took about three months to get a response <laughs> back from him once I tracked down his email. And then he watched some scenes from the film, and he literally was hooked. And he said, Jenny, you have brought me something that is a part of my soul's work, and I'm forever grateful. So he's really, he's been amazing to work with. This whole thing is amazing to me. I, I just, I need to thank <laughs> Rodney Jordan for bringing you all to me. I want to thank you, Teresa Hunter, for being the parent that you are. I want to thank you, Dr. Jenny yes, McKenzie, you. for being the director of The Right to Read. And one of you all, please, once again, talk about the documentary, when it will be held and when people can see it. Norfolk State University, 6 p.m., June 1st. The event is free and open to the public, and there will be an interactive panel and Q&A following the screening. This is incredible. Thursday, June 1st. That's exactly right. On, on the campus, it will be specifically at Brown Hall. There is not a reason why you should miss this. Ladies, thank you so much for opening your hearts to these children and, and being change makers and doing all that you do. Anybody that takes care of children is all right with me, okay? <laughs> we agree with all you. Right. Yes. Thank you so we much agree and we appreciate you. All right, then. Take care. You all, I'll be reminding you on the morning show about this documentary coming up. So I was glad to bring the ladies on today. But during our morning show next week, um, I will again remind you of this documentary. Ladies, thank you so much. Have a wonderful Sunday. Take care.